Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 19 of the 411 On Wrestling Podcast. You can follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411 site. Please take time to subscribe and share us around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. My guest today is the good brother, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? Hello, I'm doing all right after a long weekend, but I'm still doing all right. How are you, Larry? I can't complain. I, I took Sunday off, took the wife out for uh, Mother's Day with the kids, had dinner, saw a movie, got out of the house for a while, which for me is nice. So, I uh, yeah, I had a, had a nice weekend. Heard you saw Avengers Endgame. Do you want to spoil it, everything for the listeners? <laughs> It's been I two weeks now. Avengers I think it's been Endgame. three weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. I will just say that it was awesome and watching uh like Hannah loved it, of course, but also my watching my, my seven year old just like marking out the entire time for certain things was really great. So no, we had a really, really good time. So and like I said, I got I got a day off, which I, I always appreciate. So that was good. And uh yeah, so uh I guess today we will talk the ROH War of the Worlds tour, which uh, wrapped up three live events, then they did a TV taping. We'll talk about the live events, and then we will uh, break down Sunday's WWE Money in the Bank card, which is, uh, for the most part, looks like a full card right now. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's there's eight matches right now. Oh, they're going to add at least five more tonight and tomorrow on Rolling Stone. Oh, Probably. So, but I mean, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, we, we got some matches to talk about there so we can have fun and break that down. And as I'm waiting for a file to open on my computer, I will just sit here and vamp for time because it's taking forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, full disclosure, I did not watch the third show of the War of the Worlds tour. So I'm just going to bury all the booking decisions, but I can't give thoughts on matches not that anyone comes for my thoughts on the matches anyway um yeah i i had a busy weekend with a lot of shit going on so could not get to too much wrestling over the weekend but i caught the first two nights of the tour and uh they were they were good and i got some exclusive exclusive comments with flip gordon so stick around for that that's, that's right kill time. pick that name up there jeremy good job <laughs> I but spent yes. like all Friday afternoon on the phone with him. Well, there you go. So your your good buddy Flip. Yeah, so. my good friend Flip Gordon. So yeah, we'll start. Uh, ROH War of the Worlds Buffalo was uh, night one of this year's stop, and we started off with PJ Black versus Alex Coglin. Looks like Coughlin, but apparently it's pronounced Coughlin. He's one of the L.A. Dojo Young Lions. And, uh, you know, like I said, the good thing about the uh, the tour was that these guys got to work a little bit because the disadvantage to them as opposed to the New Japan guys are they don't get to work as often. They don't get to work names as often. So this was a good weekend for them to, you know, pick up some in-ring time. P.J. Black picks up the win seven and a half minutes. Any thoughts, Jeremy? It was a fine match. Um, PJ Black can still work, and I, I thought Coglin wasn't too bad. So 
I, I I feel like people are high on him. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but I feel like people are like, this is a guy to look out for and uh, talking of Coughlin. So uh, he, he showed, he showed some fire in this match and he hung with PJ black. He, he didn't look over his, over his head or anything. So we'll see what the future holds for him, but it was a, a nice, if this was your introduction to him, he, he held his own in this one. Yeah, I thought it was a nice and solid competitive opening match. Pretty much what you want. Nothing overly spectacular. But yeah, yeah, I thought Coglin looked good and definitely shows potential. And PJ Blacks is, you know, he's, you know, it's, you don't have to be like a big fan of the guy, but I mean, the guy is a longtime veteran. So if you're going to put one of the young lions in with somebody to work, I mean, that's a really solid choice. And I thought it worked out well to open the show. Then we moved on to an unannounced match, which should have stayed. Wonder why? Uh, yeah, should have stayed unannounced and off the card. Women of Honor champion Kelly Klein faced Kate Carney. Yes, uh, Kate Carney of Kate Carney fame, who everybody doesn't know. Kizarni's sister. Might as well be at this <laughs> stage, but uh, this was all a backdrop for bullshit with the allure who joined commentary and i guess maybe thankfully they ignored most of the match because it was all of them yapping about all their accomplishments to cole cabana because he bailed, and it was about seven and a half minutes and it was not good at all and this whole segment sucked. The match sucked. The commentary sucked. The post-match stuff sucked. It's I'm not going to go into the women of honor thing again, but as a quick recap of my thoughts, ROH does not care about this division, and they're only doing it because WWE is doing it and, and pushing it hard, and everybody feels that there needs to be some type of women's representation in every single wrestling promotion in the world. But if you're going to treat it like this, I would just rather it not be there altogether. It's it's terrible. Yeah, and I'm just uh not buying Kelly Klein as like the baby face of honor here to defend the company. Cause like she's such a natural heel and it just doesn't feel right and it's she's really not good. I mean, she's just, she's not a good worker. She's definitely not a good baby face. It's just, yeah. it's all it's all so so terrible. And they 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 don't know what they're doing with this division. And it's it's truthfully making everything seem worse because it would just be like you're better off just not having the division, taking a little bit of heat from online fans, like oh why aren't you why don't you have a women's division. And then show them, like, well, this is what we did with the women's division. So take your pick. We either don't have one or you get this. And I would just rather them not have one. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to disagree. And I was somebody who for a long time was really wanting them to get into it and push it because it was just this, like, YouTube exclusive bullshit to where they wasted all the good workers like Karen Q and Deanna Perrazzo and stuff who they lost and then they had Tennille in and they didn't do shit with her when she was healthy. And it's just, yeah. Obviously, so. the better solution would be book an actual good women's division, but they don't seem capable of that. Pretty much. 
We move on. Uh, the Kingdom, TK Orion, and Vinny Marsaglia battled LA Dojo Young Lions, Clark, Clark Connors, and Carl Fredericks. The Kingdom picked up the win in just over 10 minutes. I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought the Young Lions showed good fire. And, you know, the Kingdom are fine as a tag team. I, I don't find their work to be overly great or anything, but I, I thought it was a perfectly, you know, pretty good tag match. And it, it was the expected result with the Kingdom winning. Yeah, it was just as good as the opener, which was surprising because I'd put PJ Black on a level higher than the Kingdom. Um, but they, they worked an easy formula, and the young lines looked good, and the Kingdom were fine. They didn't embarrass themselves. And, yeah, I don't have too much of an issue with the Kingdom's in-ring work as much as I'm not a fan of the whole thing overall. Uh, so it, it was good. It was fine. Then we move on. Your boy, Shane Taylor, defeated Hikaleo in just under four minutes. Uh, I thought that they did the, I thought that what they did here was smart. They kept it short and hard hitting, gave Hikaleo a good amount of stuff before he lost. And he's coming along. Um, he, he, for the longest time, I mean, part of it was that he missed time due to his ACL injury, but he had this long stage to where he was. You know, when you, when you get a puppy that's going to grow into a big dog, but they automatically have those giant paws when they're a puppy, and they kind of slide and fall everywhere, that's the stage he was in for a while. And he's gotten out of that now, so he's, his footwork's better. And he's coming along. I think the dude has potential. But, uh, yeah, Shane Taylor made a decently short work of him, uh, 345, and picked up the big win. My favorite wrestler in the world, Shane Taylor, with a – outstanding match against Hikaleu. Uh, Hikaleu is still a young lion, and Shane Taylor carried him to the best match of his career. A-plus worker, Shane Taylor. Fantastic. Next up, Evil and Sonata defeated uh, Lifeblood's Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams. Uh, very, very good match. Easily the best thing on the show to this point. Um, Haskins and Williams have been really good for Ring of Honor so far. I've really enjoyed their work. And Evil and Sonata were there to work, which is nice because there are a lot of times when they come in for the ROH tours that they just kind of they just kind of cruise by on the fact that they're LIJ and everybody loves them. And, you know, coming like off the Don Taki tour, I really wouldn't have blamed them. But uh no, it was a it was a very good and fun match. I really enjoyed it. What what do you think? That was always going to be to the question coming into this match is which Evil and Sonata were you going to get? Because, yeah, they had the long flight from Japan uh, to America. Sonata just came off the Okada match. Evil just came off the Ishii match. Like, you wouldn't have blamed these guys if they were just like, eh, we're going to mail this this first night in here because we like, were just extremely tired. And they had their working boots on. Um, Haskins and Williams are, like, they're good. There's there's no denying that. And, yeah, as you said, like, the whole lifeblood stable has been strong for New Japan thus far. Uh, I, I feel like they're not even getting enough mileage out of that group, but they're, they're clearly the one of the focal points of the shows um and they clearly have high hopes and they're they're building around this group um and, and yeah they they've been good the, this duo with, with juice and bandito and i guess to they screwed up but what can you do there um but yeah good good match overall and lij winning was was fine i 
I, I don't know the, the politics involved on this. It almost felt like Lifeblood should have won to just give them this this big victory over LIJ. And you could even use the whole, you know, they just traveled. They just came off these high-profile matches. They they maybe weren't, you know, in their right mind for, for this match. And you got a, a, a good team like Haskins and Williams, and they, they got one over on here. And then maybe you do a rematch down the line. I understand why LIJ won. It felt like they could have, and again, I don't know the politics involved of it, but it felt like a missed opportunity to kind of give Lifeblood even more of a a bigger victory. And this is kind of what I'm talking about when I say I don't feel like they've done all they can do with this group as far as they clearly like them, but they're not giving them the momentum necessary um, to to push them forward. Yeah. I, I really hope that they're able to get some more out of them. Cause I think there's a lot of potential. Obviously Bandito has been great. And Haskins and Williams have been really good in singles matches and tag matches and everything. It's just, yeah, they haven't disappointed at all. They've been really, really strong additions to a roster that, uh, you know, we, we all talked about when, um, the being the elite crew left that, you know, they needed fresh faces and you got, PCO and Brody King and Bandito and Williams and Haskins and you're getting a little bit of juice and some Zack Sabre Jr. And then you brought in Roosh and you have Jeff Cobb and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've, they've done a good job of bringing in fresh names, which has been good. And speaking of Roosh, he uh, defeated Silas Young in our next match, just over seven minutes. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good back and forth match. You know, uh, Silas is the, uh, He's a f- former TV champion multiple times. So, I mean, you expected him to put up a decent fight. But uh, Roosh, again, with a relatively, you know, in terms of overall time on the card, quick victory here again and being positioned, I believe, still for a world title shot down the line. Yeah, if anything, this could have been shorter with Roosh getting looking even better than he did. Not that Silas got too much in i understand you don't want to have just roosh squash your entire roster um but like after you squash dalton castle it's it almost seems weird to have competitive matches with with other guys uh it it, it was fine overall i i hope they don't miss the boat on pulling the trigger on roosh like you can't have this kind of running through the roster thing overextend here just give the man his title shot like they're heating him up in the right way but you can't just keep holding off holding off holding off you've at some point the trigger's got to be pulled and i hope they they're not too late on it yeah and that's something roh has historically struggled with through the various um booking regimes whether it be gabe or adam pierce or the lizard man and now apparently bully has some power i mean um, you know, they've all struggled at times with putting the title on the right guy at the right time. And for a lot of guys, it's felt too late and stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree it could have been shorter. But I also think that the thing is they can play up now that like everybody saw what he did to Dalton Castle. So they're more ready for it now. It's like Roosh isn't like a big surprise anymore. Everybody knows he can kick ass. So I'm fine. Yeah, that's that's fair. And it was seven minutes. It wasn't like they went 18. You right. Know, it's it, a, I mean, it's if it a, was long, I would have been like, no. But 
<laughs> yeah, it's a very minor gripe on my part as I just look yeah. for things to nitpick that, okay, it was seven minutes. It could have been 6.30. Like, what are those 30 seconds actually <laughs> going to mean? Uh, my my main overall point is don't wait too long on this guy. Yeah. And again, I, th- I think you're making a fair point, though, because you're, you're talking about a guy that they're clearly positioning for bigger things and that you don't want that ruined. And, you know, I I get that. And I don't want it ruined either because you – you're able to bring Roosh in and you're giving them this push. It's like, don't fuck it up. So moved on to first title match of the evening, which was villain enterprises defending the six man titles against Jeff Cobb, Yuji Nagata and Kojima. Uh, very good match. Um, the villain enterprises are a really fun group. And while there was pretty much no chance of a title change here, I think we can all agree. Um, Nagata and Kojima were working really hard and they had previously worked with uh, King and PCO at the Crockett Cup so we had some familiarity there which was good and Jeff Cobb obviously is great and um, yeah it was just uh, very good stuff and I uh, really enjoyed it and again champions retain and uh, Bill and Enterprise is carrying on and the big tease now is that uh, Bill and Enterprise is maybe adding someone new yeah, I don't know who their fourth guy is. I I feel like it needs to be because we we know the situation with Marty right now, and the situation is he's probably not long for the company if his contract does expire at some point this year. So I feel like you you needed to be a star on that level because PCO and Brody King they're good henchmen. They're, they're not, like, leader types to me. Um, maybe Brody King is there. PCO is definitely, like, kind of henchman-esque. Like, it's tough to see this guy as he's the – I mean, he's not the staple one. So it, it'd be <laughs> weird to have him be, like, the leader of this group. So I feel like you need to – that fourth guy needs to be a, a leader-type guy on the level of a Marty Skrull and then he overthrows Skrull and takes villain enterprises and maybe they rename it since Skrull's the villain. Um, but that would be the direction that makes the most sense. Otherwise, you just have the group and then Marty just leaves on his own. And then it's like, all right, you got three kind of whatever guys. And then maybe they acquire a leader down the line, like they're looking for direction. I don't know. There's there's ways to go with it, but... It, it, we'll see where they who they add on the fourth guy if it's a guy already on the roster or if it's a, a new guy maybe it's the uh, greatest worker of all time Shane Taylor um the match as, as far as it goes like very good match no surprise of villain enterprises winning PCO had a title shot the next night so you give him a little bit of momentum here but overall just a, a really good match and villain enterprises they feel like everything lifeblood should be with, with the push they're getting right now, and I'm not saying they're pushing the wrong group, but Lifeblood just, it feels like they should be higher up and Villain Enterprises should be a little bit lower, but the crowd fucking loves PCO and they, they love Skrull and they they tolerate Brody King. Uh, they, they really like Brody King. I can't put him on the same level as a Skrull or a PCO, but they, they still like him. Uh, so Villain Enterprises is, is getting the big push right now. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on King. He he isn't as over as the other two because 
Marty is just wildly over, and then PCO is just everybody is into the PCO story and just the whole the return, the resurrection, and like the crazy shit he does. And but Brody's like a ton of fun, and I agree that like he and PCO are more the henchmen. So like if the new person kind of ends up being the heir apparent to Marty, that would make a lot of sense. And hopefully they have that kind of planned and go that direction. But again, we'll have to see what they do. And uh, but yeah, very good match. I enjoyed it. Blind Kenny King joined commentary. And if you guys haven't seen ROH TV in the specials, the whole gimmick is at the Supercard of Honor. He got uh he got misted by the Great Muda after he won the Honor Rumble, and he's playing that he's blind now, and that he's going to get eye surgery soon. But he could only get it on Thursdays at 11:45, and he couldn't get it on this Thursday because of the Uber strike. So poor Kenny had to wait. And then the other thing he does is he seriously does commentary. And he's just, I'll give it to him. I'm not a big Kenny King guy, but he's fucking funny on commentary. Because he sits there and he's talking about, like, I can tell in the change in direction in the wind that Jay Lethal's probably put on about 15 pounds in the gut region, probably sporting a little bit of a beer belly, and that Jonathan Gresham's wearing red. (laughs) Shit like that. And it's... It's funny. I mean, it's completely silly and to a point stupid, but it's just, it makes me chuckle. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Kenny King has been good since the G1 Supercard with this blind gimmick. Uh, I don't have any faith in his feud with Matt Taven, and like they're really, they haven't done a whole lot as far as teasing that. Um, but as far as Kenny King goes, he's been the best that he's been in a while with this with this gimmick. So who would have thought? Just make the man blind, and now all of a sudden he has charisma. Exactly. So our next match, uh, second title match on the card, champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, defeated Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham, unfortunately. I was hoping for my, my boys to win, but the Gorillas of Destiny pulled it out. Uh, you know, I thought it was good overall, better than your usual Gorillas of Destiny match. Uh, Lethal and Gresham are really great, busted their asses. And I thought overall, yeah, good. It's tough to have a bad match with with Lethal and Gresham. And Gorillas of Destiny held their own. It wasn't anything spectacular. If anything, maybe a little bit disappointing, given that Lethal and Gresham were involved. But Gorillas of Destiny being involved should probably temper expectations a little bit. It was fine. The The title change, yeah, I didn't think it was going to quite happen. And as we saw, spoilers, uh, Gorillas of Destiny even ended up beating the Briscoes and, and keeping the titles. So they they got plans with, with Gorillas of Destiny in roh and maybe because we know tam tonga isn't going to be in the g1 i would assume tangaloa is not going to be in the g1 because why um maybe they're going to work the the roh tour throughout the summer since they're not going to have a big presence on the those g1 tours although i guess they could still be there uh, to work the tags with jay white and everything it still, you can still bring them in for some ROH shows during the summer. So I would imagine that would be sort of their plan, and they're going to keep the titles for a little bit. Maybe they're waiting to get Enzo and Cass under contract. Who the hell knows what's going on there? 
good match, fine match, nothing spectacular. And Girls of Destiny being the champions uh, is interesting. Uh, I'll give them that because you, you don't quite know when or where they're going to lose the titles because they, they're they more New Japan guys. So you've got some things to figure out there. And it makes it makes their matches... It gives their matches a little bit more intrigue that you pro that I mean you really wouldn't have otherwise. Very true. So we ended up with the main event, uh, unexpected main event. Apparently, they claimed this was due to fan demand. It was Flip Gordon versus Bandito in the main event, with Flip going over in twenty five thirty five via pin. Uh, I thought it was a very good match. It was probably a lot different than most expected because they. Went a little longer, a little slower at the beginning, but I thought it was really good. And I um, thought the layout was good and the fact that they really tried to present both of these guys as future stars. Uh, they've worked, they've put a lot into Flip already, and they're putting a lot into Bandito this year as well. So um, I think that either guy winning would have been fine, but I also think Flip really needed the win. And the post match stuff was. Uh, Tracy Williams and Lifeblood tried to recruit Flip the Lifeblood again and were hoping for an answer following Best of the Super Junior, but unfortunately for Flippers, he's not going to Best of the Super Juniors, Jeremy. They're going to have to... I mean, we saw Flip show up on the, the the Chicago portion, or not, the Grand Rapids portion, sorry. I don't know if he was at the, the TV tapings. I haven't read all the spoilers yet. Um... But we saw him show up at the Grand Rapids show because, yeah, he didn't go to Best of Super Juniors. And as he explained to me, there was a big mix-up with the consulate and, and getting his visa and stuff. And when I asked him, you know, what he's going to do now for these for this next month where he's supposed to be in Japan, like he said he called ROH immediately to get on these shows, um, the final two nights of the tour, and then on the shows throughout the, the next month. So I would imagine we'll be seeing a lot more flip in ROH on these shows now that he's not going to be in Best of Super Juniors. And that's going to... It's going to push this lifeblood story forward probably sooner than they had planned on because obviously he was supposed to be in best of super juniors. As far as this match goes, it was very good, a little bit underwhelming given the two guys involved and given how much time they did have. If anything, the time may have hurt them. Like they could have cut out they probably could have cut out like that whole early portion where it was a little bit slower like you see flip and bandito you want them to kind of go out there go and go balls to the wall right away in that early portion i'm not saying flip and bandito are bad they're they're definitely not bad wrestlers i don't think they know how to like we haven't seen flip in too many long matches Bandito, at least when it comes to uh, working in America, like he hasn't worked like a ton of long matches, if any, really. I don't, I don't know his extensive uh, Mexico catalog, but I'm sure he's done like a bunch of two out of three falls matches and stuff that are that are longer. Still, with with this main event kind of North American style, the these guys aren't used to these really longer matches, and it, it kind of showed in this one where not saying they got lost but they they didn't know how to pace properly with the early portion of the match that's not really what the crowd wanted out of this match and they tried to work that sort of long main event style and it 
that's it wasn't the time for that with these two. I like that they were the main event. I don't know if it was fan demand. I truthfully think they announced like this is going to be the main event uh, when they announced this match. Um, but still a very good match. A and I feel like they like had they met in Best of Super Juniors. I, I'm pretty sure they were in the same block. Um, it would have been even an even better match because they would have had less time and they would have been able to kind of just go 100 from from the very jump and it, should they meet again down the line i suspect they'll they'll be a little bit better with their their timing as far as how long the match should go yeah i think um probably like 15 minutes would have been the window i would have shot for to allow them to go a little more sprint style and balls to the wall and again, yeah, like I would said, say I, I would have said like 17, 18 see. minutes would have been good. Yeah, but it's still, I, I think I think the shorter time frame would have been better. But you know, I do appreciate the fact that they did get a main event spot, and that's you know that's good for them. And like I said, they have a they have a lot invested in Flip. They're investing a lot in Bandito, and they're 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 looking to make these guys, uh, you know, kind of future stars. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I appreciate the effort. So we moved on to night two in Toronto. Started off with the Sons of Haku versus Alex Coughlin, Carl Fredericks, and Clark Connors from the LA Dojo. Uh, I thought was a pretty good match. They went just under 10 minutes, kind of in that Young Lions window. Um, you know, again, the the, uh, the Dojo guys showed good fire again. They're coming along well. And I just, again, I think for them, it's just going to be they need more repetitions so that, like, they'll eventually be seen on the level is, you know, like Umino and Narita and all those guys that are just working so much and against names so many times. Yeah, they, they got to get these guys onto more shows. And ROH is a weird company in the first place in that they're a touring company slash a television company. And I don't know that both necessarily work in that way because on television I, I i gave up on roh tv because i feel like a lot of it's kind of meaningless uh like as far as building pco as the next title contender it would, the match has already happened i'm not even sure if taven is the champion on television at this point because there's so many weeks behind um it, I feel like they'd just be better as a touring company. And if that was the case, you could have these these young lions work a little bit more on these shows. But because they kind of do television tapings with only like one show as part of the tour, like they don't bring them in for that because they're not going to use them on television tapings. It's a it's a weird scenario that the L.A. Dojo guys were, were fine in this match. The Sons of Haku, it was good. They didn't have to wrestle long. So overall, it was it was a fine match. Very good. So we move on. Silas Young versus Yuji Nagata. Yuji Nagata picked up the win via disqualification. And basically, they were having a fine match. And then at the end, uh, Silas Young tried to pull an Eddie Guerrero with the chair, tossing it to Nagata, taking it a bump. Nagata then sees what he's doing, wraps it around his head and takes a bump. The ref sees it, DQs him. Thought the match was fine, but it's like, I don't understand why you had to overcomplicate things. It's like, it's Yuji fucking Nagata, okay? He can beat Silas Young. I like the finish. I thought it was clever. 
Yeah, Nagata could have just beaten him outright, and it would have been fine. Uh, maybe the, this finish would have worked better if it was two other guys with kind of more of a... I mean, working it with Silas Young would have been fine. Maybe Nagata. It could have been worked with somebody else not that wasn't Nagata. But I still like that Nagata was like, oh, I see what you're doing. Like, you know, he's seen, he's he's been around a lot of shit, so he knew what yeah, old Silas Young. he was in WCW, Young. for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> he, he saw what Silas Young was trying to do. He's like, no, I got the answer to that. So I thought it was kind of clever. Um, yeah, could it have been better if it wasn't Yuji Nagata and you just have him beat Silas Young cleanly? Probably, but I didn't really have a problem with it. Yeah, but it was, it was fine overall. Nothing really wrong with it. Move on. Evil and Sonata defeated Vinny Marseglia and TK Orion of the Kingdom. Just a hair over 10 minutes. I thought it was pretty good, but it was one of those matches that, uh, to me, didn't really have a lot of energy and kind of felt flat the whole time. Yeah, this is one where um, Evil and Sonata decided to take off, and I don't blame them. Like, I'd rather try to work, have my working boots on with Williams and Haskins over Marseglia and Orion. It, it was nothing special, nothing you should go out of your way to see. And it wasn't long enough to, to really mean anything. Once again, the LIJ guys coming in and just beating all your tag teams doesn't, like, I don't know. I guess we're, we'll do Grills of Destiny against uh, LIJ for the ROH tag team titles. That's what New Japan does, so just keep booking them. Yeah, I mean, they could do that. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was like I said, it was fine. It just didn't have much to it energy-wise. And, yeah, I think I think they looked over at the kingdom and were like, really, the fucking kingdom? Like, okay, well, let's just do a bunch of cool poses and, like, the Paradise Lock and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, it was, it was, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, if you were expecting like really good tag team wrestling, it wasn't, it was fine. Uh, next match, Roosh defeated PJ Black. And here was your shorter match, six minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, Roosh continues to roll along uh, in pretty much dominant performances. And um, another strong win is they look to heat him up for a possible world title shot. Yeah, another short match. And that's good. Like have this guy just run through these these veteran guys here, and PJ Black is another veteran who is just kind of there and is there to make guys look good, and he made Roosh look good. Yep, yeah, it was a good little match too. I, I liked it. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be, and sometimes that's all wrestling really should be. You don't you don't have to overcomplicate things. So Dalton Castle arrived and claimed that uh, you know. He complained about Toronto and said that he's doing fantastic because he doesn't have boys and he's free. He called the boys trash babies and uh, says he doesn't make mistakes because he won the uh, the six-man titles basically without them. And he won the world title without them. He doesn't need boys and he's back and ready to burn this place to the ground. And he's I like this crop now. <laughs> What's that? He's carrying a bedazzled riding crop now. Yeah, I like this promo from Dalton. It was something different from him, and we'll see where where his direction kind of goes now without the boys. Um, hopefully his style now changes because the back injury clearly took a lot out of him, 
And if he's able to kind of work around that, work a different style to where the back injury doesn't hinder him quite as much, it could be it could be good because if he's trying to be that same kind of style with the same injury, it's probably like even though I like this new character, this new direction, the matches still aren't going to be any better. Uh, so maybe as that Steve Austin transformation of he goes from that technical guy to more of a brawler and Dalton's able to switch things up here because I like this character direction for him. Yeah, I thought the promo was good. I do like that, you know, with the heel turn and everything, it's like, in theory, you still could have done it with the boys, but I like it without because, number one, it's easy heat for the, him to beat the shit out of them. And it makes, it, in theory, it should make people hate him more. And I do like that he still he still has enough wacky Dalton Castle in his promo, but he's also definitely more serious. And yeah, uh, I hope he kind of changes up the ring work too, mainly for his health. Um, because like you said, if he doesn't and he's still trying to do all the same shit and still has all the same injuries, not going to be good. He did work the next night and he, he looked pretty good. He did a lot of, he did a lot of Dalton Castle things, but he, um, he looked better than he had. And we'll talk about that. But, uh, next up was the Briscoes defeating lifeblood just over 13 minutes. Very good tag match as the Briscoes gained momentum as they were heading into a world tag team title shot in Chicago. Uh, lifeblood kind of fails again. And, um, unfortunate but you know it's a very good match and like you i still i wish they would do a little more with uh like i mean they're they are losing again and i understand it's the briscoes and the briscoes have a title shot coming up and in, in a couple of nights so you want to make them look strong but just book better to give these guys some wins like i i I like lifeblood and they're giving me no reason to like be invested in this group because they're just kind of they're geeks out there with, with the amount of losses they end up taking. Yeah, pretty much. So hopefully there's uh more to come with them and better things to come. Bully Ray arrived and admitted that he was the one taking out Tennille, which was on RH TV. And he said he'll take out lifeblood one by one he mocked Finley for getting hurt and then said Juice wasn't there because he was too busy doing jobs in Japan. Apparently, he hasn't been watching a lot of New Japan. Uh, <laughs> Haskins and Williams uh, regrouped and were ready for a fight, but Bully Ray runs away because he's a big old heel bitch. So if you've been watching New Japan, he'd understand how booking works better. Um, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm over Bully Ray. I've always been over Bully Ray. It is whatever. Yeah. Kelly Klein came out teasing a match. Thankfully, didn't deliver one. Uh, the Allure arrived, and Angelina Love basically teased challenging her and then said she wouldn't because she'll do it back in the U.S. where she now lives. Kelly Klein attacked. The Allure ran away. And Kelly Klein is super serious because she called him a bunch of bitches. That's how so you super know. Super serious. Like. WWE does this as well. Let's just throw around the B word to show, like, to get that kind of ooh, he or she shouldn't be saying that word. Like, ooh, th this is this is big time now, and it's like, it's so dumb that you need this word to to pop the crowd or any curse word to. Yeah, they, well, they do that with ass crowd. too. Like, yeah, whenever someone's gonna fly, like, and I will beat your ass. 
Ooh, all I can think of is the one Avengers movie when uh they're they're joking about Captain America and swearing like Steve said a swear word. <laughs> Steve said a bad language word. It's like that's what it feels like. Cause it's like so forced. Yeah, it's uh, the it's Kelly Klein and the allure. Let's just move on. Exactly. Um, Jay Lee or Blind Kenny King joined commentary. He's been doing commentary on all the Jay Lethal matches. Jay Lethal beat Kojima in our next match. Won 15 minutes. Good match. Uh, again, Lethal just rarely disappoints. And like I said in my review, Kojima is still enough of Kojima that he delivers when he wants to. And that's what they did here. I thought it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Anytime Jay Lethal is in the ring, it's probably going to be an average match at worst. And, and this was no exception. Maybe a little long. Um, Kojima shouldn't be working too, too long matches unless they're tag team matches at, at this point in his career. But Jay Lethal is still good enough to carry really anyone to to a, a good match no matter what the, the time limit is going to be and it's not like kojima is bad by any stretch of the imagination he's just 40 something years old and i mean he it doesn't have the same kind of gas that he used to so i can't you know that's not his fault that's just the reality of of aging um but still still a good match and yeah, lethal wins which no real surprise yeah and yeah, like I said, it's a. I, I like the dads a lot, like the God and Kojima and those guys, and so it's a. It's cool to see him get a, a fun extended singles match from time to time. So and again, Lethal is just really good. So next up, uh, Fatal Four Way match, which they made a TV title match at the last moment. Shane Taylor defeated Jeff Cobb, Brody King, and Hiroki Goto to become. The new TV champion, Jeremy Lambert, your boy won. The greatest wrestler of all time, Shane Taylor, finally gets a, a title in Ring of Honor, and I could not be happier for him. Especially after that burial last week, right? <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. I, I never said a bad word about Shane Taylor in my entire life. I've always praised the man for his wrestling acumen, and he proved why here. Um one of the best matches on the night when that <laughs> just reminded me of Tito Ortiz uh, doing the affliction <laughs> post fight interviews where he goes in the ring and talks to Babalu Sobral. He's like, Hanato Babalu Sobral, one of the best light heavyweights on the night. <laughs> oh my God. Tito is a fucking national treasure with his uh post fight let me tell you how you're feeling right now <laughs> what a uh, man yeah. Dito Ortiz uh yeah Shane Taylor uh the match was the match was good I was a little surprised by the title change poor Jeff Cobb this guy seems like he's gonna have these nice runs he's a guy you could build around and then loses the never title to Tai Chi and then loses the television title to shane taylor he didn't take the pinfall he actually contributed to the pin i'd assume it sets up a rematch down the line and they had that uh really good match earlier this year so I i'm fine with that rematch down the line and i'm fine with shane taylor being the champion yeah and i i like the i like the change too it's like i i was really a fan of the Cobb title run but i kind of get the feeling that like he might have dropped the titles because uh he's likely going to be in the g1 and um fine you know, by you know, yeah and that, exactly fine by me i i love the idea that 
And Shane Taylor's a guy that has worked really hard. He's gotten better. And I'm, you know, I'm glad he's going to get a chance to run with the title, especially if Cobb's going to be going to be gone for a while with G1 and stuff. So, you know, Taylor's going to be around. And uh, again, yeah, good finish with um, Cobb not taking the pin and obviously setting up the rematch. And if they can have a match like their last pay-per-view uh, match and their rematch, it'll be great. And I'm all for that. So we moved on to our main event of the evening. Champion Matt Taven defeating PCO in just over 18 minutes. Your thoughts, Jeremy? Didn't hate this as much as I had thought I would with Matt Taven being the champion. His work was good. The crowd, again, just adores PCO, and they're into to everything he does. The finish was, uh, I mean... Maybe a little overbooked, but I feel like you kind of had to do that because it's PCO and it's Matt Taven. Like they, they've invested a lot into PCO. They're clearly like even uh, from reading the results from um, the Grand Rapids show, like they're still pushing forward that this guy might be like, get a rematch against Taven. So you didn't want to just have him lose completely clean here. Uh, the the count was off. I thought it was a, a two count and PCO kicked out. And I don't think that did anybody any favors. Um, but overall, like a, a really enjoyable main event. It didn't go too long. As you said, it went like 18 minutes. So they didn't try to overstay it and work this long kind of main event style. And it, I wanted to not like this because i'm just not a fan of matt taven and by the end of it really by the middle of it 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 turned into a, a really good wrestling match that i had no issues with and i thought it was a, a good start to matt taven's title ring yeah and i, I thought that they played it well too because i thought thought taven's heel stuff was really good here and they they used the uh they used uh the kingdom running in and Vinny's axe to attacked the quote-unquote good eye of PCO, which led to him getting color and getting a nice little crimson mask rolling during the match. And I thought that played well. And then to finish, I don't think it was so much overbooked as I, I, th I felt anticlimactic because they were doing really well. And then, like, Taven gets a spike and just stabs him in the eye and pins him. You like, should be pinned after getting stabbed in the yeah. eye. <laughs> but it's just like, they were doing all this, like, really good stuff. And then it was like, Stab, you're done. Like I, I had get? more of a I had more of a problem with just the count was like messed up and it, it yeah. seemed like PCO was maybe supposed to kick out or uh stay down longer. I, I don't know. I, I again I felt like PCO kicked out at two and there was confusion, but the ref counted three, so they're like, Okay, well that's the finish, I guess. I think that contributed more to the anticlimaticness of this match where if he just stabbed them and pinned them cleanly and that was it like maybe it still would have felt anticlimactic but again like if you get stabbed in the eye i don't like when wrestling goes too far the other way it's like how are you surviving like all of this shit that a normal man just would not survive and i guess pco is not human but if you get stabbed in the eye that that should be a finish yeah. So before we move on to Grand Rapids, good news. Uh, Fox has announced the uh, fall schedule. SmackDown staying two hours. Yay. God, I hope it stays two. I better not. <laughs> don't do no extra hour of bullshit on FS1, man. Going to so. put uh, 205 Live on FS1 on Friday nights. 
Oh my God, who the hell in that is? Yeah, so that's what's going on there. Um, we move on to Grand Rapids, and Jer- I'll be talking the matches. Jeremy will be kind of talking about booking <laughs> and such since he didn't get a chance to see the complete show yet. So we started off coast to coast, uh, defeated Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks just over 10 minutes. Good opener with, again, the young line showing really good fire. Coast to coast showing a little more heel-like uh, side to their work which they have been kind of slowly teasing them, being frustrated and not getting on shows and picking up wins. And when they've lost in like multi-man matches, they're always blaming the other guy. So a heel turn possibly in the future for them, but a good opener with an expected finish. Yeah, I didn't see it and coast to coast hasn't really been used a whole lot. So I would expect them to win, but it was, I guess it's nice to see coast to coast on the card because I, I don't mind them as a, as a team. And then Coughlin and Fredericks, they, they get some more work in. So good job, I guess. Yep. Next up was the women of honor title match with Kelly Klein defeating Stacy shadows just under five minutes. It was bad. It's just, I'm shocked to hear that. Kelly Klein, again, I think she just she works like she's in molasses a lot of the time. She has really odd footwork. And Stacy Shadows is not good at all. And yeah, it's just thankfully it didn't go long, but it was still this, bad. This is who you're bringing in for these matches. Stacy Shadows and I don't even remember the lad, Carney. I don't remember her first name. Uh, for for the other show earlier in the tour, nobody has heard of these people. Like I've never heard of Stacy Shadows before. Um, before this tour, I've never heard of this Carney lady be- before this tour. Like, you, no one knows who these people are, and you're bringing them in, and these are your challengers. The, they're clearly not going to win the title. And they're working five-minute matches. Like, this is your division. It's so, so terrible. Like, invest something in this division or get rid of it. I'm I'm not talking about Winneman Bond. Anytime you have me on to preview or review ROH, I'm just staying silent during these Women of Honor bullshit from now on. Because they don't care, so I'm not going to care anymore. Post-match, the Allure attacked uh, Stacey Shadows. Kelly Klein made the save, but got blinded by the hairspray, and that was that. Dalton Castle arrived. It was supposed to be uh, Cheeseburger versus Clark Connors next. Dalton Castle came out and basically said he wanted to see something exciting, and this wasn't it. He told Cheeseburger and Connors to leave. They refused. And uh, basically, Cheeseburger said, well, why don't you join us, make it a triple threat? And Dalton was like, "Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, why are you afraid I'll beat you in 16 seconds like Roosh did? It was on then. Dalton Castle was not going to fuck around. And they had a uh, a good match. Uh, went just under 10 minutes. Dalton Castle won, pinning Cheeseburger. He didn't even pin the young line. He pinned Cheeseburger. And um, I thought Castle looked good. He felt more like his old self. Uh, I think the heel persona is working really, really good. And again, he's not like 100% back, but it it was a lot better than like the previous stuff, like the matches before G1 Supercard where he was clearly, clearly struggling badly. So I'd say positive sign. Maybe some of this time off has helped him. Maybe this was kind of like a test to see how ready he was to come back. But uh, hopefully, um, 
hopefully he's feeling better and like you said maybe changes up the style a little bit but uh the new heel percent is working really well and is coming across well in his work too this is seems like a good rehab win for him uh again i didn't see how the work was didn't see the promo or anything but you get Dalton, Dalton Castle a win essentially over two guys. And it's not like Cheeseburger and Clark Connors mean anything, but it's still a win to just reestablish this guy. And it's like, all right, he's taking on a more serious approach. He's beating these guys that he should beat. And now you build them back up from here. So overall, it sounds like this segment accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Yeah, it did. It, I, I felt it did. So, um, Next up was the Kingdom defeating the Sons of Haku, and match went a little long, 1645. It was pretty good, had its moments. Um, you know, like I said, just wasn't overly thrilling. The Briscoes arrived for a distraction for the finish, which led to a belt shot by Taven and Vinny Marseglia pinning Hikaleu. And uh, so, yeah, that was the uh, the continued setup for the Briscoes versus uh, Grills of Destiny tag match. So. It was it was pretty good, accomplished its goal, just nothing special that you needed to see. Can't think of anything worse than a Kingdom versus Bullet Club Sans J White match. Yeah. So it sounds like it, it did what it needed to do, and at least the ROH guys actually won. Maybe it can even I know Hikaleu took the pinfall, but maybe you can transition that and god forbid but kingdom against gorillas of destiny for the titles at, at some point yeah so mark haskins then arrived and he was upset because pco was pulled from the car due to the kingdom injuring him in toronto uh haskins basically said that he uh he confronted Taven and said i could have had a title shot tonight if you weren't a dick and he asked for a title shot and Taven refused so haskins told him he goes well, apparently when Mike and Maria left for WWE, they took your balls with them. And <laughs> that was enough to get Taven to accept the title match later in the night. You know, Good on Mark that. Haskins for being That's in right. trouble. So uh, next up was a surprise match. Flip Gordon defeating Rhett Titus in just under four minutes. It was okay for a late addition to get Flip on the card and to you know get, get him another win. He came off the win against Bandito. And uh, Flip actually won with an STF, uh, basically uh, up in his game, adding an alternate finisher perhaps. So we'll see how that plays in the future. But yeah, it was fine for the time given. I mean, Red Titus is okay. And it, you know, I mean, you can't do a whole lot in just under four minutes, but it was, it accomplished its goal. Everybody was happy to see Flip. So I'm making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, it was obviously a, a last minute match and, like I'm sure they'd already had most of the night timed out. So you throw on another match, you, you got to take away time from other people. I mean, I'm sure they could go long. They're on Honor Club or whatever, but there's building codes and they had to be out by a certain time. E either way, from the sound of it, it was you throw Flip in there with someone he can quickly beat, look good against, and you accomplish many things and the biggest thing being flip gordon continues kind of his hot streak and a guy you're building around and so 
he you know he he gets that win and he he looks strong so i feel like that that was a good job by them to get flip on the card and get him in there with somebody he could just completely kind of squash and look strong against and if he's got a new kind of submission finisher even better because he's adding to his repertoire yep next up evil and sonata defeated the bouncers in seven minutes perfectly solid match uh lij was in night off mode uh who could blame them going against the bouncers yeah they were they were playing the hits i mean the crowd likes the bouncers they love lij so it was uh yeah it was it was fine there was nothing wrong with it it just it was never going to be really good or anything but lij wins again and they teased that uh lij with another win could be coming after the roh tag titles so we'll see if that actually happens Next up, number one contenders match. They announced before the match that the winner gets the ROH title shot on June 1st. So that's not going to be best in the world. And it was right then that I knew that my pick of Rush winning wasn't going to happen because they're not going to waste Rusha challenging for the title on an honor club event. So this was uh, Tracy Williams defeating Rush, Eli Isom, and PJ Black. Ten and a half minutes. Uh, Very good match. It was the best thing on the show to this point. Thought it was laid out well. Everybody got a chance to shine. And it made sense for somebody else outside of Roosh to win this one because, again, it's just an honor club title shot. It's not the big pay-per-view title shot. So uh, Tracy Williams is going to get a shot. And, um, again, he's a guy that's been delivering, so I really have no problem with him. Tracy Williams would seem to make the most sense if it wasn't going to be Roosh out of the, the other three Guys, it would have still been nice if this guy could have picked up a victory um, along the way instead of losing to, was it the Briscoes and then uh, Grills of Destiny? Like, yeah. like, you know, have this guy win a match? Why couldn't he face the Bouncers instead of the Briscoes? Either way, I'm fine with Tracy Williams getting the title shot. At some point, Kenny King has to get his title shot too. So Matt Taven's at least got plenty of challengers um, down the line with Williams, Kenny King, and then and Roosh is seemingly a little bit further down the line, but he's still there. And even potentially a PCO rematch, as we'll kind of get into a little bit later. Yep. So uh, next up was the ROH World Title Match Champion. Matt Taven defeating Mark Haskins in just under 26 minutes. Um, honestly, I thought I'm not the biggest Matt Taven fan, but I thought it was a great match overall, especially being a late addition to the card. Thought uh, Taven was really thriving as the heel. Haskins uh, just delivered again. He's a good, resilient challenger. Uh, the final closing stretch was really good until Bully Ray arrived to distract Haskins. That allowed Taven to hit a low blow and the climax to retain. And I was just like, uh, did, we, did we really need that? No, we didn't. We did not need Bully Ray in any way. So anyway, Taven gloated after the match, listed all the guys he's defeated. When PCO arrived and brawled with him, hit a pop-up powerbomb and a tombstone, and then the PCO sold and stood tall with the ROH title. So as you mentioned before, it seems like PCO is not quite done with uh, young Matt Taven yet. That's fine by me. Um, he the the messed up finish maybe works into his favor, and he can say like, you know, I kicked out, 
I they could even go a, a no DQ route because of all the shenanigans that happened at the end of their match, and then PCO can be even crazier in the in the rematch. Again, it doesn't seem like there's a shortage of challengers for Taven's title. So I like that they have plenty of guys lined up for Taven because it felt like at points in Lethal's title reign, it was just, you've got this match, this is the guy getting a title shot, and there wasn't too much rhyme or reason for it. It just kind of happened. And, I mean... It, it works a little bit better. Like it, it worked okay when it's Jay Lethal and he's kind of the, this fighting champion and he's looking to break records and all this other stuff. Like it, it kind of works in that Okada kind of way where it's like, all right, this guy's getting a title shot. It's fine because the the big story here is he's going for for records and the challenger doesn't really matter. With Taven, it's not to that level yet where you need established challengers and for a reason. And they've done a good job with that with, I mean, Kenny King won the, won the, um, on a rumble. So he's established you, you do a number one contenders match. So now you get a contender out of that. And then PCO, he, he beat Matt Taven in the, and the multi-man match to earn a title shot, and then they had their one-on-one match, and then there was nonsense involved and a questionable finish, and PCO is still looking for revenge and stuff, so you come back with that rematch. So I like that they're, they've they got a plan with this Matt Taven title reigns, um, and that's it's always good to have a plan with your champion. Very, very true. So, yeah, that is good. So we'll see how it... Uh shakes out as we head into best of the world here in uh, June. But uh, main event was Jeff Cobb, Jay Lethal, Yuji Nagata, Hiroki Goto, and Satoshi Kojima defeating Bully Ray, Shane Taylor, Silas Young, and the Briscoes. Just over 23 minutes. Very good main event. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought the layout was good. Everybody worked hard. Uh, they did a good job with the pairings. The finish was uh, Bully Ray was being an asshole to Kojima pretty much the whole match yelling at him about uh, their past in Cork and Hall and stuff. And the finish saw uh, Bully Ray eat a big fucking lariat for the one, two, three with uh bread club and Kojima standing tall. So uh, yeah, very good main event to close the show. And overall the grand Rapids show was, it was a pretty good show. It was a dog on paper. I thought, but I was pleasantly surprised when it was over. with. Not a no, great show. No, no Enzo a, and cast. Yes. No Enzo and cast. But uh, it was a lot better than I thought. And, uh, I mean, Taven and Haskins as a late addition ended up being a great match. And uh, I will always take that. So, yeah. Um, overall, the tour was, I'd say it was pretty good, the three shows they ran. Uh, you know, it's lacking a little bit. Not a lot of must-see stuff like in past years. And a lot of that is because, I mean... You know, you didn't have, like, Naito, you didn't have Juice, you didn't have Ishii, you didn't have, you know, no Okada and Tanahashi, obviously, no Zack Sabre Jr., no Ibushi. So, I mean, you know, you had you had what you had, and it was fine. And, um, yeah, it just it didn't see as must-see as past years had. So. The New Japan... The New Japan star power was certainly lacking when, no knock on Evil and Sonata, but if those are the top two guys you're going to 
send over like their their tag team and that's what they gave them they gave them tag team matches they could have done more i mean they could have certainly done like Jay lethal against sonata and i'm sure nobody would have complained about that uh so they could have treated them more as a single guys and and we don't know what goes into the politics of well maybe they just only wanted to work tag team matches because they just worked this long don't talk to Taku tour bleh. and maybe they just i mean they got the bouncers on the final night they they got the kingdom on one night the first night they they got really good opponents and like they had their working boots on for that match uh so who knows what goes into it and then your other guys were kojima and nogata and no knock on those guys but they're 50 year old kojima and nogata so they're just not on the level that they they used to be so they weren't given a ton to work with from from the New Japan side, but I think that says more about just where ROH is at right now and that they they haven't done a great job building their own their own guys up to where you're like, oh, well, even if the ROH the New Japan side isn't very strong, like we're still gonna want to see this show and this show's still gonna be really good because look at all these good ROH guys who are on there. I think this tour was a step in the right direction based on the results and some on the some of the matches. Like again, they they established challengers for Matt Taven's title. And that's a that's a big thing. You want to have your champion uh have challengers down the line for multiple shows to where you're excited to see these these uh roh world title matches um lethal and gresham honestly maybe felt a little bit cold although lethal did get um a good win against kojima gresham wasn't really around too much they 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 put the title on shane taylor which helps boost him uh, they did well with the the tag team stuff with the Briscoes and Gorillas of Destiny. So that, I know that went into the television tapings, but they helped with that. And Flip Gordon got some big wins, and um, Roosh continued to to look strong. And Dalton Castle kind of had a rebirth. So I think they did a good job in building up kind of that that next wave for the rest of the year. And now it's just a matter of them not screwing it completely up. This is true. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that is the ROH War of the Worlds Tour. And we will now move on and give a preview of Sunday's WWE Money in the Bank preview. We got most of the card announced. And we will start off with the big dog versus Elias, Jeremy. Uh, I mean, Roman's going to win, I would assume. Maybe they... Maybe they... You, have Elias get the win in in order to actually have him win a singles match and not just be a, a character and be more of a wrestler. I don't have high hopes for this match. I like Roman. He's much better than fans previously. I don't know where fans stand on him now because everyone kind of did a 180 because of his real life leukemia battle. Uh, but he's much better than fans previously gave him credit for. He looks more comfortable. Um, the WrestleMania match we talked about, it was his first big singles match since returning. He clearly didn't have his legs back under him. He clearly didn't have the same kind of gas that he used to. Uh, and he, he looked rusty. And I thought the match with McIntyre uh, the, the other week on Raw was honestly better than the WrestleMania match. And 
but it's Elias. Elias doesn't have the greatest track record as a, a singles wrestler. I think like his only good match was maybe that Intercontinental title match against Seth Rollins. So I don't have really high hopes for this match. I would imagine be sort of short. I hope they keep it short because there's a there's some good stuff on this card. So you don't need to to go too long with Roman Reigns against Elias. And I I just assume. Reigns wins because uh, I mean Elias probably shouldn't be beating him anyway unless you're unless you're really trying to establish Elias which they should be trying to do but I, I Reigns is winning. Yeah, I expect Roman to win. I think one mistake that they really made when they when Roman came back is that they really missed a golden opportunity because you had to expect that when he came back he was going to get a positive response because he was gone for so long. He overcomes cancer. And I think that that was a, a really missed opportunity to to change him up a bit because there's such, like, the negative past with him and, like, the way he was pushed and, like, nothing ever changed. He was – he's the big dog. He, he has the shield music. He has the same outfit. I really think that they really could have kind of rebooted him a bit with some new, new music and updated look dial back all the big dog bullshit and just kind of start fresh after years of the fans rebelling against him. That's what I would have done. I mean, I'm not saying he's like in a bad place or anything, but I just, I think that was a missed opportunity. I would expect him to win. I would be shocked if Elias won. If he won, it'll probably be with help due to Shane or something, but I'm thinking you need to get Roman as far away from uh, fucking Shane and Elias as soon as possible. What's weird about Roman is he comes back and he even said, like, you're going to see more of Joe in his character and kind of that more, like, sarcastic side and whatnot. And we we really haven't. Like, he always kind of had that sort of sarcastic side. It just came off very forced and unnatural and just almost out of place for the character that he was portraying. And now it... it it makes more sense, but it's not like he's really changed at all. He's still just, he's Roman Reigns. And yeah, he needs to get away from any type of authority nonsense. Like this, this is an issue with WWE right now. It's just, they don't know how to book without these authority figures and Shane being around and Vince being around like Roman's big, big come up to SmackDown was punching vents and it's like all right cool but this is f- four years old now like you were doing this three four years ago and and then instead of going after triple h now you're facing elias and it's just like can can we get away from the authority stuff and oh he's roman Reigns, so he's bucking authority like how many times do we need to see the same iteration of a feud that is three four years old yeah, I'm just I'm not a fan of it personally, but that's that's what they they book what they know, and that is authority figures versus the uh the you know the person that is anti-authority and doesn't want to be told what to do. It's you know twenty years going. It's what we do. So yeah, if we got rid of the authority figure bullshit and show opening promos every week, I'd be much happier. But. You don't like the rotating cast of characters that just come out and demand whatever they demand. I don't even know what they demand anymore. It's usually a title shot or just talking for the sake of talking at this point. Yeah, not a fan. 
But speaking of your boy Shane McMahon, we move on. Cage match. Shane McMahon, the alleged best in the world with the greatest striking in WWE history, versus The Miz. I like that it's in a cage. Um, the Miz has to win. Like, this guy has been... Has he gotten anything in this feud? It's... Like, I'm trying to think, and... Ever since he got jumped at Fastlane, like, he got beat up in front of his dad. He lost at WrestleMania. His dad got beat up at WrestleMania. He's been... I guess he got the, the attack backstage with the limo, but... It, you know, the following week he got beat up by, um, or maybe the next night. I can't keep up with the fucking wild card and people just showing up on random shows now. He got beat up by the B team and stuff. Like, Miz has just been looked so stupid in this feud. Like, he's just getting outsmarted at every turn. And the guy's got to win this match because if you have Shane McMahon win this match, it's like, what What are you doing? Like, the Miz babyface run has been fine. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know, the, I'm over any type of McMahon involvement. And I, I think Shane is the least like cringeworthy of them all. Like anything Stephanie's involved with is usually terrible. Vince is, he's completely lost it as a performer. Like he's not even like good on the mic anymore. He's just, he stumbles over his words and he's just, I don't know what he's doing. And Shane is the best of the bunch, but it's still like, I don't need to see Shane McMahon wrestling in 2019. No. And I, uh, I hated this as a cage match because I think 90% of WWE cage matches absolutely suck. There's no structure to them. They never actually keep anybody out. They end in a bunch of bullshit. And then there's like, there's usually not a lot of heat to them. It's just like random, like they're having a regular match in a cage because it's two nine, 2019 and we don't bleed anymore. Which I'm fine with guys not bleeding in 2019, don't get me wrong. But God forbid someone accidentally gets busted open and then we have to fucking open up triage in the middle of the ring like it's a mash unit, you know, because we can't let any of the kids see blood. It's like, fuck's sake. It's like. I don't it might be okay, but I wasn't a big fan of the Mania match, and I'm not a big fan of the feud. Hopefully the Miz wins and they move on and away from each other for a long time. Keeping like people in and out, which is the whole point of a cage match, it, that's my biggest issue. The blood I'm not as concerned about. Like whatever. Wrestling can still be great without blood, but it's a cage like it's designed Shane has been running away he's been you know he ran through the whole backstage area he ran away and then had B team jump him like that that's been the whole gimmick here and so now he's not able to run away and he's not gonna have anybody be able to to interfere and I would be stunned if that's how this goes uh they'll probably start off with like an outside the ring brawl and they'll brawl around. They'll finally get into the cage. And I'll be like, oh, well, now he's got nowhere to go. We can't run. And eventually someone will interfere. And that, like, that'll be that. And, like, that's my issue is the cage is just sort of meaningless. Not, not so much the blood. It's just guys still interfere. Guys still run away. They still brawl outside of the cage before the match. It's... Lock them in. There's nowhere to go, and you just have your match. 
Yeah, I just, I don't know. Not a big fan of it, so we will move on. U.S. champion Samoa Joseph versus Rey Mysterio. I was really looking forward to the match at Mania, and then a combination of them needing to cut time and Rey being dinged up. They ended up doing the short dominant win for Joe, which had no problem with because it gets Joe a, a great first WrestleMania win. Uh, they've continued to program here, and Dominic is still kind of involved and looked like Joe was going to stalk and kill him last week, possibly barbecue him for the family. And uh, so, yeah, I think the match has a real chance to be very good, if not great, because Joe's an absolutely great bully, and Ray's an equally as a great underdog babyface. And to me, that that should lead to success. I think that uh, with Dominic in the mix that could lead to Joe retaining when he threatens to kill the, the young lad. I was going to call him small, but he's bigger than Ray. Uh, when he threatens to kill the young lad and that distracts Ray in the process, Joe wins. And then it probably continues on. still because that's what they do. We have to have groups of three matches. See, I figure Ray was winning this time because otherwise, why are you going back to this match? Um, I thought Ray was going to potentially win at WrestleMania since Dominic was going to be at ringside, and then the ankle injury kind of messed that up, and they didn't even mention Dominic in that match. Now he's more prevalent for this one. I, I feel like Ray is going to win, and then you just do a rematch, even though automatic rematches are no longer a thing. I'm fairly certain they just completely dropped that whole gimmick because they can't remember what they did last week, much less... Uh, earlier this year. They can't um, even remember what they do on the same program. Yeah, that too. They can't remember what they did an hour uh, ago, much less again four or five months ago. So I I think Ray wins this match. Hopefully they get some time. I assume they get more than they got at Mania because it'll probably be a, a good match. Like Ray is still, his run this year has been really, really good, much better than at least in ring wise, much better than I think anybody would have expected at this point in his career. And Joe, Joe can still work. So uh, I, I think this match will be good, assuming it has, assuming it's the time that it should get. And yeah, I think I think Ray ends up uh, winning the title here. Fair enough. Cruiserweight champion Tony Nese defends against Arya Davari. Uh, Tony Nese is kind of the de facto face of 205 Live now because he beat Buddy Murphy and then. Murphy, Alexander, and Ali have all moved on, and which is kind of a shame because they're like, at least Ali makes TV. Alexander's been stuck on main event the last two weeks, and Buddy Murphy hasn't even appeared on SmackDown yet. But, Buddy Murphy debuted in a YouTube segment. How dare you? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me look for the fucks I give. Nope, no fucks given. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just, I, how can I care about that? It's like they're taking a dude that's super talented and not even using him right now. It's like, come on. Just to yes, bump him up because you got to shake things up. I mean, right. wild card rule, Buddy Murphy can appear on 205 Live. There you go. They they, they probably only get like one and a half guys. Uh, a lot of those <laughs> are small. Got to remind everybody that the cruiserweights are small. Don't they get Buddy that. Murphy and Rey Mysterio. Let's have Rey show up to 205 Live. There you go. But yeah, uh, Tony Nese is fine champion. He's doing well. Arya Davari 
not very hot on, but at least he's been undefeated in 2019, has a sound claim to a title shot, beat Oni Lorcan to get it. And he's kind of like the heel challenger of the month. Think uh, Nice gets off to a strong run on pay per view with a win over him here. They like 205 Live, no one watches it. And like I watch it, and Davari still doesn't do a whole lot for me. And even Tony Nice, like he won the title in the right way. Like he won the, the tournament, and then he beat Buddy Murphy at. WrestleMania, he beat Buddy Murphy in the rematch, and his title reign hasn't been bad or anything. The problem with 205 Live is that none of these guys have any cachet right now, and Davari is right up there with just having nothing going despite winning all of these matches. It's like, okay, it's it's Arya Davari. Like, why am I supposed to care about these guys? To 205, li- cry, bleh, to 205 Live's credit, They've done this in the past where they've taken a guy like a Cedric Alexander who didn't seem to have much going on and they turned him to a star on the brand. And the same thing with Buddy Murphy. Like they will get there eventually with a Tony Nese. And Davari, as you said, he's probably just the challenger of the month and then he goes away. They'll get there with Tony Nese. I think uh, a feud with Mike Kanellis would be very good for for both guys because Kanellis has done very well on the brand and is coming off that uh, awesome no DQ match against Tazawa. So I, I assume Tony Nice wins. It's too early to take the title off of him here. It'll be a pre-show match. They'll they'll win the crowd over by the end of it. No one will care going into it, and it's the same story with Two Hundred Five Live. Unfortunately, I mean, that's pretty much how it works out. Is they go out there, nobody cares. They work their ass off. Then by the end, like, everybody's into it. And it's like, hey, you know, that match was pretty good. Well, yeah, they usually are. It's just nobody cares, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, um, yeah, and I wish there was, like, I wish I had, like, the magic wand or whatever to kind of make people care about 205 Live and to give it some buzz and, whatever it needs because it's generally a good show it's rarely a bad i mean i can't remember the last time it was a bad show it may be a little uninspired some weeks but the wrestling's good they tell a basic story and i'll take that over bad shows any week so we move on to the first of two becky lynch matches cut out i cannot hear anything you're saying am i here now Hello, hello. Oh, there you go. Okay, that was odd. No clue what happened. Okay, but yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's title versus Lacey Evans. The sassy Southern Belle or whatever the fuck they're calling her this week. (laughs) I like Lacey Evans' character. I don't know what her in-ring work is like because we haven't seen a ton from her. I know she nearly killed Natalia on that moonsault, so that doesn't give me too high of hopes. Um, like Becky is still good. Becky feels very cold after her WrestleMania victory, and I don't know if it's because you know she's now feuding with Lacey Evans, who was most famous for literally just walking out, turning around, and going backstage all the way up until this feud with, with Becky. Um, yeah, Becky just does not feel very hot right now. And, and Lacey Evans is, she's 
she's a mystery right now. Like they they hadn't buried her to where she just lost a bunch of matches. So I guess that's the positive news. But at the same time, you don't exactly heat somebody up by just having her walk out and then do nothing and then and then leave and then have her beat Natalia. And it's like, okay, now she's in the front of the line because she beat Natalia, who WWE still thinks fans care about more in 2019 than we actually do. I don't think this match, like I don't have high hopes for this match, but maybe Becky can get something good out of her. Maybe Lacey surprises and is better than I think. Becky's not going to be Becky two belts forever. I don't, this might depend on the placement. Like if this comes after the Charlotte match, I expect the Charlotte match to be sort of a, a grueling kind of match. Maybe she loses the title here. There's also the, the cash in, um, uh, worry about that. We'll, we'll talk about with, with whoever wins the, the women's money in the bank. I feel like Becky is losing one of her titles at this pay-per-view and losing to Lacey Evans, who they have high hopes for. I'm not saying is the right call, but it wouldn't be a shocking call. Yeah, I don't think it would be a shocking call, knowing the way Vince and Kevin done like they're blondes. So we'll see. I think Becky beats Lacey Evans, but uh, we'll see what happens. Women's money in the bank match. Natalia, Naomi, Dana Brooke, Alexa Bliss. Carmella, Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, and Bailey. Um, kind of interesting to see what happens here. I think um, Ember Moon and Naomi will probably shine because they'll have a chance to do a lot of fun stuff. It's a big test for Dana Brooke, who in character and out of character has been bitching for an opportunity. And she's getting one here. So if she doesn't impress anybody, it's pretty much going to be her fault. Um, you know, so, I mean, here's, here's, here's your chance, honey. Uh, Natalia is there because she's Natalia. And like you said, everybody thinks they, WWE thinks everybody cares about her right now. Carmella's a former winner. Alexa Bliss is a former winner. And then, uh, you got Mandy Rose, who WWE loves again, uh, blonde and beautiful. And, uh, then you got Bailey. So I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Bliss and Carmella win again. Because I don't think you'd want to repeat. Just It would feel too samey to have them repeat so soon. I think Mandy honestly has a good chance. Because again, that's the WWE type. And they seem to have a lot invested in her. Um, I think an Ember Moon win would be really awesome. Because along with like Ruby Riot, she was kind of a victim of the Ronda Rousey era. Where there was no room for any undercard win other than to be jaw fodder all the time. And I understood that, but again, you have a lot of talented women that just didn't get a chance. And it would be a huge boost for her. I think that uh, I'd almost really like to see a Bailey win if it means like a a reboot and evolution of her character in a new direction. You know, so I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think I'll go with Bailey as the surprise winner. I... This is a weird match to me because nobody here feels all that hot right now. Like Alexa feels the hottest and that's largely due to her microphone work and the the fact like she has picked up some wins, but she she can remain over via 
just being a really good talker and they clearly like they like her they've i mean she's she's a multi-time women's champion on on both brands so they they clearly like her like naomi is just kind of there natalia as i said they think we care in 2019 but we don't but they still make her part of the show she just gets like no reaction dana brooke is, is dana brooke bailey is cold as ice right now mandy is is relatively hot at least for for this division um so i'll give them credit there ember moon is was injured that's not really their fault so they couldn't do a whole lot with her but even before she got hurt she was as you said just sort of a victim of the ronda rousey era where just she wasn't on the shows all that often even though it seemed like they did have high hopes for her and Carmella is just a comedy act at this point. And like she's very good in that role. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's also it's it's a comedy. It's a face comedy act. Like it only has so much of a of a shelf life unless you can kind of show an extra layer. And I'm not saying Carmella hasn't shown those layers over the years, but it's not like a, a Kofi Kingston type thing where the the extra layer is okay he's a comedy act but he's been struggling for 11 years carmella is a comedy act who hasn't struggled at all really like she's a former champion bunny in the bank winner beat charlotte beat oscar whatever um so nobody feels all that hot to me like mandy rose makes the most sense as far as potentially winning cashing in on becky and then getting a title off of Becky in that way. Alexa also makes sense in that role, but as you said, I don't know if they're going to go that route again. Like, they literally just did that last year, so doing it again this year, just it would show they don't have a whole lot of ideas. I mean, even if they do it with Mandy, it's the same idea, just a a different person. Um, Which, I mean, WWE doesn't seem to have a lot of ideas right now, so that's why I think Mandy's going to end up winning and then cashing in and then beating Becky after she's had two grueling matches and Mandy Rose is going to be your new, whatever fucking brand she's on, SmackDown Women's Champion. I like the Bayley surprise win. I'd rather see it be Bayley or Ember Moon. Like, you got to heat one of these girls up because they're good enough and they should be heated up. I just I don't trust WWE to to actually do that. Yeah, it, it like I said, I or like you said, I agree. It's a uh, it is hard to call because it doesn't feel like anybody is like jumping off the page as somebody that should win or needs. You know, there there are people that need to win. I think like like said Bailey and Evermoon, but it's not like you know, it's like you look at certain matches and you think, well, like that's. That's the favorite. And, yeah, I'm just not really feeling it. Um, we'll see what they do. We'll move on to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Ricochet, Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Ali, Andrade, Randy Orton, and Finn Balor. This one feels like a very hit and miss match on paper because Baron Corbin stinks. Uh, outside How dare of you. He sucks. Outside <laughs> of a few fun spots, I really don't like Braun in the match. Randy Orton bores me to tears. I think McIntyre will be fine, but Ricochet, Balor, Ali, and Andrade are likely going to really carry my enjoyment of this one. Um, I would love for them to take a chance on Andrade here because this is a dude that 
was a star before he came to the company, had a great NXT run. He drew money in Mexico, and they've just done jack and shit with him. You know, maybe if he was tall and had absolutely no fucking skills like Baron Corbin, he'd get main event matches at the push instead of being wasted along with Selena Vega. But unfortunately, he's just a dude to them. He's a little dude that doesn't speak a lot of English. So if I have to be forced to make a pick, probably going to be Drew McIntyre to start the big rumor Drew McIntyre push, but I would love for Andrade to win. My fantasy booking here, and I'm not saying this is the way they're going to go. Um, quickly, I I like pretty much everybody in this match outside of Baron Corbin. Uh, Braun is fine as a, as a base and like tipping over things and just kind of destroying things. Uh, and Randy Orton, yeah, he's long in the tooth and pretty boring on most nights, but he'll do a cool like RKO spot off of a ladder and whatever and catch a guy uh, jumping with an RKO and it, it'll be fine. The crowd will pop. But Baron Corbin, yeah, not good. Everybody else I really like. So my fantasy kind of booking here is you have Ali win you like he gets his moment that he was supposed to have at elimination chamber he wasn't going to win or in the gauntlet match he wasn't going to win the elimination chamber or the gauntlet match but he was supposed to have that shine that Kofi Kingston eventually got he get like now he's got this opportunity in this money in the bank match he gets the most of it he moves on. You know he's not going to like sneak cash in on Kofi. He's going to look him face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and say, you know, you took or you got the moment I was supposed to have because of my injury. You're great. I appreciate you. You've done a lot with it. You've always been supportive of, of me through my injury, but now it's my time. And he cashes in. They set the match for whenever, whatever the next pay-per-view is, and just do it immediately because Kofi's probably not keeping the title past SummerSlam anyway. So whatever the July pay-per-view is, you you do it then, and then you just it's a face versus face match. Who cares? It doesn't matter in 2019. And you give Ali that moment that was quote unquote stolen from him by Kofi Kingston. Are they going to do that? Probably not. I I would assume McIntyre wins here that seems like the most logical choice because they're high on McIntyre even though they still beat this guy and they still just can't like he's not hot despite the fact that they're backstage high on him like it you wouldn't know that they care to push this guy based on what you see on television because they don't do enough of him that they should be doing with him um but I like this is now this is their opportunity of like, all right, he's lost a couple matches. He's just been kind of in the mix and now he's got the briefcase. And so he's important. And then he'll probably lose matches with the briefcase before he cashes in and wins the title. And people wonder why no one cares because they spent three months beating him before he cashed in because that's just what they always do. Um, so, yeah, my fantasy is Ali wins for the reasons I laid out my my head says McIntyre wins because that's probably what WWE is going to end up doing. Prepare to be disappointed, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, like if McIntyre wins, if McIntyre wins, like I'm fine with it. I just wish they would take a shot would... with somebody new. Yeah. Well, I mean, McIntyre is 
in a sense, new, but I, I wish they would just heat this guy up and make him seem like a bigger deal than he actually is right now. And I wish if he gets the briefcase, he would actually beat guys. Like, this is what they do every single time someone gets the briefcase is they just have them lose a bunch of matches, especially if they're a heel. Like, they just have them lose a bunch of matches, but they have the briefcase, so it's like, oh, he's still a title contender. And then he cashes in, he wins the title, and it gets a pop then, but then you remember, hey, remember all those fucking matches he lost before he won the title? This guy sucks. And, like, that's that's their booking. And until they prove that they can change that line of thinking, I'm going to assume that's how they're going to continue to book. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much what they do. Cause it's been a pattern for how long now, you know? So we'll see what happens. We'll move on. SmackDown women's championship, Becky Lynch defending against Charlotte. Um, while their matches are usually very good to great, but I did, I was really hoping that they would, keep these two separated for a bit after mania and everything. And after the matches they had last year, but, uh, no, I, I get the feeling that Vince is like, listen, I gave you your Becky Lynch moment at WrestleMania. Now I'm going back to my blonde with a big chest as champion and Charlotte wins. Potentially again, I think a lot has to do with the placement on the card. Like if this match is, if this match comes after the Lacey Evans match, then Charlotte winning would seem like it has more legs to it. If this match is first, I can't see them beating Becky and then moving on to face Lacey Evans. Uh, I don't know. The, there's a lot they can do with this Becky Lynch story and the how they're going to place this. Because if you put this match first and she loses... I guess they could theoretically say, well, Becky, you know, where's her head at? She just lost one title. Now she's got to face kind of this unknown lady and and Lacey Evans. And then the the cash in could loom if that match comes before either of the women's title matches. Again, a lot is going to go into uh, my thinking of how they order the money in the the women's money in the bank match and then the the two women's title matches. Uh yeah, the match should be good too great because these two are very good professional wrestlers. I, I'm with you in that I've seen this a million times. They this is the worst build of the whole thing. Like last year it was fresh. They built every match very well. Um and the the fans wanted to get behind Becky. They got behind Becky. Everything felt very new with their feud. This one just feels like, all right, they've been feuding for a while. Uh, Charlotte wasn't involved in the pinfall at, at WrestleMania, so she gets a one-on-one match. And like Charlotte wasn't even on television this past week. I, I'd assume she'll be on the, the final SmackDown to help build this match further. I don't know what that's going to like what they're going to do. Like the one time they did show up, they had their usual brawl. And like, that's the only way they know how to build heat anymore is this big pull apart brawl. It's just, it's the same thing we've seen throughout the last half of 2019. It's and throughout the really the first half of, or the first quarter of 2018. So it's just, it's nothing new. It's nothing exciting. It'll be a good match, but I, if Charlotte wins great, if Becky wins great i don't really care either way fair enough we'll move on wwe title match 
champion Kofi Kingston defending against the former Big O, Kevin Owens. As we all know, Kofi accomplished his dream at WrestleMania, winning the WWE Championship. But in his joy, he allowed Kevin Owens to bamboozle him as he infiltrated the New Day, ate 200 pancakes, and then beat the shit out of Xavier Woods, and now wants his title shot. Uh, you know, the, the Owens heel turn was done out of necessity due to the Daniel Bryan stuff, and it, it's rushed. But again, Owens is always a good challenger. He is a very good heel. The guy rarely disappoints. And Kofi's on a good roll right now. So I think that it's going to be a really good match. I I originally thought that we would probably get a uh, a Daniel Bryan involvement leading to a triple threat uh, like later on. But with Bryan just losing to Kofi and then winning the tag titles on Raw, I think that's kind of off the table for now. So I think Kofi retains here, and uh, we will see what happens after that. But uh, that's my thinking right now. Yeah, I would imagine Kofi could retains. Uh, I think it'll be a good match because both guys are very good professional wrestlers. They've the story has been very rushed, and that's unfortunate because there was way more mileage they could have gotten, not only out of Kevin Owens, like as part of the New Day. But just as Kevin Owens as a babyface overall, like the whole portrayal of him being the family man and um, hanging out with his kids during his injury and all this stuff, like that was, and there he was supposed to be like the dad next door or whatever, like that was good stuff. And then he comes back, he was almost immediately a heel, even though he wasn't a heel with the whole Vince McMahon's replacement, replacing Kofi thing, and like that felt very forced. Uh, and then he was back to being a babyface, but he was off WrestleMania. But then he joins the New Day, so like you know he's a babyface. And then he turns, and now he's definitely a heel. It's he's been all over the place since coming back, and it's really a shame. It, like he's done the most he could with it because he's Kevin Owens, and he's fucking great at pretty much anything you give him. It's a shame they don't have more of a plan with this guy because if you did have more of a plan with him he'd be an even bigger star than he is um kofi probably wins it's a little too early to to take the title off of him and i feel like he's gonna make it till at least SummerSlam before he eventually loses the title and i don't know where if kevin owns loses we'll guess we'll talk about that in the the review show but it should be should be a good match because again both these guys are just really good it's just disappointing to see what they've done with Kevin Owens and what they could have done with him because it could have been so much better. As far as Kofi goes, I really liked his title reign. Um, Jim Ross wanted him to, you know, be more serious and all this other stuff. And he's done a good job of really balancing the two. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like the whole pancake tossing, after the the heel turn and leading up to the Kevin Owens match, like he's still got to be Kofi Kingston when he's need to be serious, when he's needed to be like a fighting champion or a serious uh, champion. Like he's been able to flip that switch and it's worked out very well. Uh, and I've really enjoyed this this title reign from him. He's had some the good match with Daniel Bryan on television. He's had some uh, good tag team matches and and uh, um, whatnot. So. I think his reign has gone very well so far. 
even though he's not jacked up on steroids like super even Sergeant though Ram. he's not jacked up on steroids that's right so uh final match here we got the universal champion seth rollins defending against aj styles really excited for this one i think it has potential to be a really great match obviously seth rollins really good professional wrestler and uh aj styles um it's a fresh match for him, and while there is concern that AJ is a little banged up, and there's been concerns of that for years, but the thing is, is for years I've seen every time people tell me AJ Styles is banged up, he steps up, and when he's not 100%, can still deliver. And I think against a fresh, motivated opponent like Seth Rollins, that both guys will be working really hard. Uh, I really liked when they did the contract signing with um basically have an AJ play the subtle heel role because I think he really thrives in that kind of like when you say Okada or Tanahashi will do that to where they never fully go heel but they will play subtle heel during matches when the time is right to get the right reactions when they're working the right opponents and I think that's going to work really well here um I think Rollins will probably retain they'll probably work a finish that sets them up for a rematch but uh yeah, I think this one will be potentially great and likely to steal the show. I'd be shocked if this match wasn't anything over four stars on your ranking, and even that's probably shooting too low given the two talents involved. It should be just a spectacular match. It's Seth Rollins, it's AJ Styles. Yeah, a banged-up AJ Styles. And AJ Styles at 75 80% is still better than fuck go down this list of competitors on this night and he's still better than 75 percent of this roster like that's just how good aj styles is um i it's going to be great if it's not great then aj styles is way more hurt than leading on or something just happens some act of god happens and the wrestling gods just don't want us to have a great seth rollins and aj styles match i guess it's possible that the chemistry is off i mean we've seen two really good workers where for some reason they just don't click and that's always possible but i based on their typical styles and their typical work i just can't imagine this match being bad rollins most likely gets the victory it feels a lot like uh, AJ against Roman after Roman won the title. Um, and, and I think there they was a Extreme Rules after WrestleMania that year. They fucking changed these pay-per-view names around so often. I can't keep track. Uh, but Styles and Romans was, was really good. It, it didn't feel like... I think AJ had just lost to, to Jericho, but then won the whole... It was sort of the same deal, wasn't it? Where he won like a, a one-night tournament type thing to earn the title shot, or he won like a fatal four-way to earn the title shot. Uh, at least he won his WrestleMania match this year. And then he faced Roman. He didn't seem like the biggest challenger in the world at the time, but it's like, oh, it's AJ Styles challenging for the title. And granted, that was three, four years ago, and now AJ is way more established, being a, a long-reigning champion and everything. But it almost seems like it's out of the blue to where there was no semblance of a feud or heat between these two. But AJ just kind of won a one-night tournament deal, became the top challenger, and now we're going to get this really great match out of it. And that's fine by me. Like You don't need all the time these long-term seeds and stuff. Sometimes it's easier to just 
hey, this guy beat the guys in front of him to earn a title shot. Now he's getting his title shot, and you're going to get a great match out of it. Cool, let's go. Uh, yeah, Rollins probably wins, and and I, they'll probably do a rematch because that's what WWE does, and I'm fine with that too. Yeah, yeah, look, definitely looking forward to this one. So final question before we, we wrap up the preview here. Do we get a Money in the Bank cash-in on the pay-per-view? Yes, I sort of predicted that Alexa or Mandy will win women's money in the bank and then cash in um, on the night after whichever match happens, Um, whether Becky and Charlotte goes on last of the two women's title matches or or Becky and Lacey. I I just don't think they can help themselves. They're going to just sort of repeat the the same angle that they that they did last year. And it makes more sense this year because Becky will have had two matches instead of in the middle of a Nia Jax Ronda Rousey match. So it makes sense why the women's winner would cash in after Becky's second match. Fair enough. Well, that's going to wrap us up, Jeremy. I, I thank you as always my friend real quick. You guys can follow the 411 on wrestling podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google play and YouTube. And of course the 411 wrestling site, make sure to subscribe and share us around, leave a five-star review. Jeremy and I are planning to be back Friday where we will break down the opening four days of the new Japan pro wrestling best of super juniors tournament. Day one was off to a good start showing Shingo and an absolute fucking banger Ishimori and, um, Dragon Lee and another banger. So good stuff all around. We will talk to you then. Jeremy, thank you again for your time, buddy. Of course. I'll talk to you on Friday and then Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday. Whenever you have me on, we'll just talk wrestling all day, every day. Sounds good. And again, thank you guys for listening. Have a good week.